Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sundry Golf Club. Unforgettable countryside golf that's only a short drive from the city. Enjoy 18 holes of tranquil golf nestled in central Alberta. Season memberships are on sale now, as are 12 game packs. Mm. Get out of the city and onto the green. Experience Sundry Golf Club opening April 29th. Book tee times now, sundrygolf.com. That's sundrygolf.com. Sundry Golf Club, home of the 2022 Alberta Open Championship, June 21st to 23rd. That 17 is a tricky one. You lose that right. Is that right? It's just see ya. Reload. Don't do it again. See ya. Okay. I've I've screwed the whole round. All that work for the last three and a half hours out the window. We should go this year. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Our boy Dane would love to. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And you know what? He's a real good golfer. He went and played uh, down in the States. I don't want any part of him. Uh, So what he'll do to even the level of the playing field? Hmm. Plays with actual old, like, antique wooden. Yeah. Persimmons. Like, yes. Yeah, he yeah. Plays with, and then you're like, okay, this this evens it up a little because his drives are going like 220. And you're like, yeah, yeah, this guy normally would be on the green here in one. Uh, show continues. It's hour two. We had said uh, Ben Wagner, play-by-play voice. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. He's got some uh, some things he got to deal with. I don't know if he's – is he pulled over? Is he getting no, a, you know what it was? Is I offered him uh, 735 you? or 705. I wouldn't make that joke. Uh, and he, he said 735. I had told you guys 705. Do we? Uh, nine sixty nine sixty is how you can stay in touch with the uh, the program. That's the text thing. Uh, can you reply the road conditions? I just missed it. Uh, they're bad. Yeah, not good. Slippery. If you can hear this, probably slippery. Uh, slippery sections. Uh, do uh, drive with care and caution. Uh, Pinder, just based on last year's error numbers, I was surprised to see Bichette finish up playing last year. He was really rough in the first half and then steadied and has been really good until last night. And you got to remember, he's of that age where he's going to get better each year and he has been given a lot of credit for all the work showing up before sunrise in Florida at that new facility. Him and Espinal working on the old, uh, well, you're going to go here, I'm going to go there, I'll touch it, working on the double play, yeah. the transfer, the throws. He's been good until last night. Did you see the, uh, the Oakland A's? News yesterday. No, I did not. I well, it's a late so. game out west, so yeah, I'm not going to yeah. blame you. And uh, I don't know that it was a big game per se. I mean, oh, you know what kinda, I did now that you bring it up? Yeah. Playing Baltimore. So I guess only one of these teams could finish last in the entire league, but to give the athletics credit, they're actually over 500. Uh, they had, well, you'd want to talk about a massive gathering of fans. Well, and, it's a big and, ballpark. And it's huge. Yeah. And, and like the culture around, like, you know, what we're gonna bang the drums here? Uh, Three thousand seven hundred and forty-eight in attendance. Three thousand seven hundred and forty-eight in attendance. There's a lot going on on a Tuesday in Oakland, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, like you got to try to not get stabbed. What else is happening? Um, Cheap night at the theaters, right? Maybe. Is that still a thing? I don't know. I'm the wrong guy to ask. Mm. You should know that. Uh, these are, this is like Montreal expo level attendance after everyone knew they were gone. Yeah. And they're trying to get out of there and that facility blows for baseball. And they also kind of have this development plan that the city of Oakland wants them to be involved with, but they're trying to sneak their way out to Vegas. Like it's, say there's it's, a lot going on there. Is it just too easy to connect that Vegas thing? Cause they've, they've already done studies. If you want to call it that, where they've 
actually canvassed people in Vegas. If we built a stadium here, would you support the team? Would you be upset about the team? Blah, blah, blah. That whole thing. I know a lot of people be upset about a major league team coming, eh? In that city, of course they were. Remember when... The NHL, it was like, okay, I think the NHL wants to go to Vegas. Like, there's, oh, they, they put in, a, 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 they submitted, a, 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 you know, this report of signifying interest in an expansion team. The NHL said, we're going to take anyone that wants to apply for an expansion team. We're going to accept these proposals. It's going to cost you a million dollars. That's it. They didn't get one from Seattle, which they wanted. So we're going to miss Gary. They got one from Vegas. They got one from Quebec City. There's probably another few markets. I remember a lot of people that actually aren't morons that thought an entertainment product of the sports variety wouldn't work in Vegas. And you look back and you're like, how in the world did we think an entertainment property wouldn't work in Vegas? You can go Celine Dion 365 nights a year and she'll sell out every one of them and you think they can't sell 41 hockey games? Are you hammered? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it is hard. To think of that be, ever being the case. Because now the football team, and obviously that's a success, and how long until they have the NBA team, that'll be a success. And baseball, why not? That awful guy that does the Muppets there, the impressionist Muppet guy, dude at the Mirage, he's terrible. And he's there every he's night. He's there every night, yeah. He's awful. Anyway, text coming in. Good morning, boys. Just wanted to ask you a question. The afternoon guys seem to think that Johnny Gaudreau is going to make $12 million or even eleven. Do you think that's way out to lunch if you look at the guys getting paid? That Gaudreau is amazing. He's not in that caliber thoughts. Uh, well, we kind of touched upon it yesterday with Frank Valley, our NHL insider. I don't know. I, I, if he re-signs with this team, there's the option of the eighth year. Which there will means, be an eighth year, let's be honest. Which right? means you can tack on more money. Mm-hmm. So that changes things. There's a... There's a Calgary contract, and then there's a UFA everybody else contract. I don't know how low you can expect this number to be. It's definitely um, eight digits. There's no question about that. I don't, and and it sh- there shouldn't really be sticker shock. Is there a better compar- comparable for Johnny Gaudreau in the NHL than Artemi Panarin? Like who, when you think about the way they play, their style, their stature. Is he not like the like similar age when they go to free agency? Is is this not the perfect comp for him or the best one? Like who's a better one? I think it's better than Marner, but even Marner's money is like no one should be surprised by anything ten and eleven. Marner younger and sign that as an RFA. So again, that, not as right? good of a comp, but Panarin would have been twenty seven, twenty eight at UFA, went to market, signed with the Rangers. His cap hit is eleven point six and change. So doesn't that I, feel like if he goes to market, that that could be what he would expect? That and that was with a lower cap, albeit mm-hmm. not much lower because it's been pretty flat. But so so here's to illustrate that eighth year, what a difference it makes. Let's say the Flames were to offer eleven times eight. That's eighty-eight million dollars for another team to match that total dollar amount over seven years. Their AAV would have to be twelve and a half. That's more than Connor McDavid makes, albeit ancient contract now. And if that wasn't enough, if the Flames went to $11.5 million on an eight-year deal, a team in free agency on a seven-year deal would have to pay him 13.1. I don't see that happening. I don't even know if I see 12.5 happening. So if I think you're the Flames and you offer 11 even, you probably have offered the most total dollars. Mm -hmm. 
Now, there's more to it than that. There's his preference of where he wants to be in the world. There's different taxation. There's all kinds of other things that influence the decision. It's not just money, but it's also about the money. And if you offer $88 million and put that on the table, I don't think he can get more total dollars if he waits until July 13th, which is the new July 1 just for this year. Yeah. You like my math? Well, I, and you're right. Connor McDavid, $12.5 million per year. That's his cap hit. I think that gets destroyed when McKinnon's deal comes up. Yeah. And Huberto's a year away, if I'm correct. He might get into that territory. But I just don't think anyone out there has that kind of money um, necessarily to spend on a very, very good player, but not the best player in the league. The best player in the league is going to shatter the 12 and a half, and that'll be like a McKinnon type, McDavid next deal, next deal something like that. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. There's What does Calgary think he's worth? Is there another team that views him as a number one, two, three guy in the league, every salaried year. guy yeah, yeah. every year? And I think you can make the case he's been that this year. But to suggest for the next seven years he's going to be that, that's a little much. So how different is the conversation for the Flames then? Are you... If you if you go eleven to essentially take other teams out of the equation, just to say total dollars eighty eight million, right? find more. So okay, that eliminates everything else. Are you good paying him eighty eight million? I don't know. You you've said it best. Like if let's say you don't sign him to that, where how do you replace him? What are you going to do with that? I don't know that eleven million dollars. That's better. Like I feel like you're just going to end up with a bunch of Zadorov, Goodbranson, Lewis, and like maybe a, a middle six winger. Like it's just not going to be as There'll be more guys, but none of them are going to be a star. I know this, that a lot of times we we play this game, and it's the, you had to pay him. What were you going to do? Remember Toronto had to pay Phaneuf, had to give him the money. And a year later, well, maybe you didn't have to you know, give him the money. I just... This feels different. This does feel different to me. And it's a, isn't it a weird time right now? Just with everything that's going on, the team is having a tremendous run. He's having a career year. They're headed to the playoffs. He's in a contract year. The The league is paying so close attention to him. His mom and dad are here. His dad's playing beer league with guys in the city. It's just, if it goes sideways here, it's going to, it's, it's going to be a very sour departure for everybody involved. And I have to think even, even Goudreau would be sad to an extent to see it come to an end because it's gone really well for him here, aside from playoff success, I suppose. Which may be around the corner or maybe the flying the ointment and all this. The one thing that makes all this very difficult, him and Kachuk, because it really is decision offseason on both of them. This team doesn't want Matthew Kachuk to have a one-year deal and, and a walk to free agency. You don't want that at all. So it's really a decision offseason on both. Now, Johnny's going to be a little more pressing. You got a little more time to figure out Kachuk. You'll also have like the shrapnel or whatever's left after you sign that contract or you don't sign that contract with Johnny. But like, let's do 84 million now. So that's 10 and a half a year. Someone would have to give him 12 a year on a seven year deal to match that. Is there a team that's going to spend 12 on Johnny? I feel like that's kind of the upper limit where it's like, okay, maybe there's one, maybe there's one GM that's like desperate enough. I look at Philly. Maybe there's more pressure in Seattle than we think. The thing, somebody texting, what's the over under boomer over under on Gaudreau getting 12 million. I, it's under, I don't think he gets 12. I agree. Yeah. I think if a deal gets done with Calgary, it's under 11, but not by much. It's in that 10, seven, five, 10, eight, sure. 10, nine. And if you're in those, you, that is 
a team to get same total dollars would have to be over 12 in free agency, and I just don't think that exists. I think it might be close, but the Flames, I believe, will offer top total dollars or have at least have the opportunity yeah. to. I don't know how Tre Living values him or how uh, you know he how much he's worried about the the consequences cap wise of it, but he's been pretty dead silent on this thing. What we have heard is only one thing. They want to move heaven and earth to keep Johnny. And heaven and earth might be, you know, ten point nine five million. And credit to both sides, really. Yeah, it's been for dead how silent. public yeah. it's this world we live in is. You haven't heard a peep about it from either side, really. It certainly hasn't you know, hurt his play nor the team's play. No. It's worked for both sides. And the thing with, with Goudreau, if he stays here, it's not going to be just because of money because he's going to have options to go elsewhere. There's going to be a desire to stay. And I think if he wants to be a flame and wants to live here and be a part of this, I don't think he's going to hold the team ransom. And you could say $10.9 million, That's Yes, that's that's a ton of money, but I still feel like somewhere in there, there will they'll both be able to kind of look at each other and say, "I'm doing a little for you. You're doing, you're doing a little me. for me. Yeah. We're we're partners in this thing." I think Kachuk. I, I think Kachuk would like to be here with Kachuk, and I certainly think Kachuk, if, watching what happens to Johnny, is going to influence what he wants. Yeah. So if if Johnny has to take a little bit less to know that he's got that elite winger on the other side, because you know Lindholm's here for what another three years at least, but but you you, you don't want to hurt the competitiveness of this team. Because I think he does value winning. If you can get your money and still have a competitive team, that checks a couple boxes. And maybe that means taking a hair less than perhaps you could extort max value-wise. But I don't know. The other thing is, if you're an agent, you're always preaching the market. Get to market, get to market, get to market. You never know until you get there. So it might take until that period of time where whether it's legal or not, Agents and players and teams tamper, and they can get a sense of what top dollar is going to be on July 13, mm-hmm. and work backwards with the max money like we just did on on what it means for an eight year deal, which only the Flames can offer. I think that they're probably already there, right? Because he's played so well and has moved his value up so high, he's not going to make under ten at this point. No, and God, like, no. and, and no. like you said, even at, if he falls on in a, his face and they get swept, he's getting more than ten on yeah. a seven year deal. He's going to get north of ten. So no how sweat. Ma- so. If you're the agent, if you're just an observer, look at the contracts, go to Cap Friendly, and see who's got the ability to give him $11 million a year times seven. Now, a lot of teams that are winning next year, I'll tell you that. Yeah, where where's the fit? Where's the dough? Where's the cap space? Where's the, the willingness from ownership to spend to that degree? Mm-hmm. And how many teams are we talking about? It's a good point about ownership, too, because, hey, look, the Sens have cap. The Sens are not going to pay this guy that. Columbus, they've got room. I don't think don't Columbus is. happening. Arizona, no. Like, the team that would be a little more curious is, is Philly, where there's a mandate to spend and win, but even they don't have a ton of cap space, relatively speaking, after the old Risto extension. And New Jersey's one where there's, they're going to have to unload a lot of money down the road here for guys like Jack Hughes, who's really exploded this year before that injury. Uh, and they also need to solve a goaltending issue. Is it the right time for a team like that to make a splash in free agency? Or are they a couple of years away from that type of move strategically? And I know he's from Jersey. He's, but, it's a Philly but suburb. He was, but yeah. he was a flyer guy. It's a like, Philly suburb. He identifies as, as someone that grew up in Philadelphia. He's an Eagles fan. He doesn't see himself as a New Jersey guy. He's a Philly no. guy. Yeah. And that's hard to explain to Canadians where there aren't like cities on borders that have millions of people, but that John, Johnny's not going to identify as a Devils fan. He's a Flyers fan growing up, right? So with all of that said, whether it be the the teams you're bidding against, 
the places where Goudreau would want to go and all of that. I do think that if there's an appetite for him to be here, a deal gets done. I agree. And, and I, I think the only piece of the puzzle that's missing is the playoff thing. And it's not nothing. Because he wants to believe this group can win, and they want to know that they can win when it gets tough with him. And I think if you're competitive in the second round, if you have a deep second round series, that those concerns probably, that that's enough, I would think, for both sides. Just guessing. But a first-round loss, I think, hurts all parties here. Johnny's not going to be worth as much. The Flames are going to be less willing to go to a big number. Kachuk and he are thinking, can we really win here? Because that we, we floored it. We gave Daryl everything we had, and we still got ousted. A first-round loss might be the only thing, the, the, the biggest fly in the ointment there could be at this point for me. Someone asking, can the Flames offer Kachuk eight years as well, or is that only for UFA? teams that have if the player is under your control you can extend eight years as a ufa the yes. most you can give if it's a team getting another player from another team the most they can go is seven which is you know what i didn't think about it at the time when that wrinkle was put in it's it like, seems oh, so innocuous didn't it it's well, okay i guess yeah, that's one year who cares but um only the team that has him under contract, which is why sometimes you hear at, at a death, maybe they'll trade for his rights. Oh, the sign and trade so that's they, never happened. That's so right. So that they can give him the eight year max. That was, of course, the last time I heard that conversation was Hyman with Toronto and Edmonton. Yeah. You know, would Ken Holland sweeten the pot so that Hyman could get an eighth year? Toronto would sign him and then trade him. Didn't happen. It's never happened. It won't probably ever happen. It's not really a tool that GMs have used, despite it happening all the time in the NBA. Text, show me a team that's won a cup dumping north of $10 million a season on a player. Well, show me how the Rangers have turned it around in three years. That, that well, would be the counterpoint. They spent 11.6 on Artemi Panarin, and a lot of other good things had to happen. They find a Vesna-caliber goalie. Adam Fox falls in their lap because there's one team in the league he wants to play for. But Panarin has been an excellent signing to this point. And the thing of it is, and another one, do players making north of 10 have it? The league is changing. There weren't that many players making north of 10 that, not that long ago. The Capitals are going up again, too. Right? Like that's just, you're going to see more of that just because of the evolution of the cap and numbers going up. Yeah, revenue is going up. I know it's, it's, it's weird to say it because the cap has been so flat, but if it's an eight-year deal for Johnny, there's going to be two years with very, very flat cap growth and theoretically six with significant cap growth. By the end of this deal, 10.9 might feel like a 7.75 in terms of like where the value is. Like the top player in the NHL might make 16, 18 million by the time Johnny's in the last half of this contract. I don't think that's crazy. If the right star comes up at the right time, like Leon Dreisaitl's up in three years, the cap will be growing again. What in the world would top bid be for Leon Dreisaitl? Mm -hmm. That could be a $16 million player, no sweat. Yeah. It's intriguing for sure because of it's eight years in the city. He's become such a fan favorite. I, you really notice that now with fans back in the stands, with him having this kind of year going to games and seeing because every night he's one of the three stars. He comes out there. Mm -hmm. You see what he means to this fan base right now. And I think he's a more mature Johnny Gaudreau than the one prior to the pandemic. 
I think you know this is a guy that's either married or has a fiance. I forgot which. He's I think married. he's married. But yeah. he and he and Monahan, I think, both got engaged around the same summer. And you know, planning a wedding in a pandemic is probably not normal. But like, this is a guy that's probably going to be a dad soon. You'd think like it's on that timeline. Like this isn't the twenty-three-year-old that has millions in his pocket. And that's like, let's go have fun. Because I know how I'd behave if I was that guy. I don't think he's that guy at all at this point. I agree. And for the people saying, "Oh, teams never win with guys making 10." Yeah, well, the Lightning have Vasilevsky at nine and a half, Kucherov at nine and a half, Stamkos at eight and a half. Like, if you're going to quibble over a half million dollars, you're kind of missing the point. You can pay really elite players elite salaries. They won the last two. It just means you got to get really creative with the bottom half of your roster. And there's that Monaghan guy you brought up. Anyway, we'll get him on here. Uh, Flames last night fall in a shootout 3-2 to two to the Nashville Predators, a potential first-round opponent. Tomorrow they'll play the Dallas Stars, a potential first-round opponent. We'll talk Blue Jay baseball with Benny Wagner when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Boomer in the morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Calgary. This hour of the program brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop. Best plants, trees. Pots and decor, greenest grass, spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They've got you covered. Pinder and Boomer here in studio. Poor Ryan, just fatigued last night, just frantic, switching between the Flames game. Two screens. This is not the right setup. Yeah, I'm not in my own home. I'm in someone else's. We need multiple screens here, people. Do you have multiple at home? You're better set up or what? Well, the new one will will have probably the option to do exactly that. Or are you getting a new house? That's right. We sold the old one and we're squatting right now. So we do need a new place to go to. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I know you were really excited about getting a new home. We've talked about that for years. You really felt like building a new house well, was the best thing for you. You know how it goes in my house. Um, I, I'm really into something my wife's not, but I just say, listen, honey, trust me on this. And we do it anyway. Wait a minute. I think I... Never mind. Uh, good morning, Ben. How yeah, are you? Marriage. Ben Wagner. <laughs> yeah. Ben Wagner. I'm not touching that with a tin. I'm not touching yeah. that. Oh. No. Oh. You're probably best. It's probably the best. Hey, uh, we got a yeah. we got a spare room for you when it, when you come up for Stampede next, Ben. Uh, whenever that is. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm going to u- utilize picture in picture, though. I, I don't know about two screens. Oh well, hey, you're you're, you're are, yeah. you, you when you're working, you need one screen. That's it. I don't want you getting distracted. Yeah. <laughs> So a, uh, I, I guess a chilly night at Fenway last night. Um, was was it, were we that shocked? I suppose to maybe see a a low scoring game with a few uh, miscues being uh, being made on the on the infield. Low scoring. I'm not surprised. Um, the Blue Jays just aren't hitting. They're not executing the way that you know, they have the potential and it goes beyond no Danny Jansen. It goes beyond no Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar Hernandez, I think is a main reason why this offense isn't clicking like you would expect it though. Uh, chilly night, not so much, maybe, you know, not everybody had a good grip on a baseball and you can look at the Boba two airs. And of course the big one that set up the eventual winning run for the Red Sox. Um, and that's fine. But remember, the Red Sox did something that the Blue Jays weren't able to do all night, and that is play a little small ball and execute. Jackie Bradley Jr. comes off the bench. What's he do? He rolls over. He gets a runner to third. A guy making his fourth-ever Major League start gets in the batter's box and hits a sacrifice fly down the right field line. Verdugo tags and scores. Uh, but there were some other things in that ball game that 
worked against the Blue Jays. The diving catch by Verdugo in front of the monster is on the line drive by Gurriel. Springer absolutely smoked a ball to right field. And uh, Christian Arroyo makes a really nice running grab, basically with his back to the infield, getting in front of the bullpens. Really difficult to play right field at Fenway Park. And those were two significant plays. Uh, the other the other play, and I don't want to pick on the guy, but he was asked to do two things fundamentally. Ramel Tapia can't get a bunt down early. Mm. And then on that sacrifice fly, led to the go-ahead and the winning run for the Red Sox. Down the right field line, he didn't get his momentum moving forward when catching that ball. He caught the ball flat-footed, almost on his heels, and got nothing on the throw, and it went way into foul territory and had no shot to get a play at the plate. So uh, you can look at the Bo air, and I know Blue Jay fans are all up in arms on social media about Bo in the air, and, and especially after he made two really, let's not forget the two really nice plays that he had early in the ball game. but there is just more to that game than just one throw that led to a runner getting the scoring position. Red Sox had to execute. Blue Jays never did that all night. Uh, it, it could have been spinning on a dime, it could have been very quickly a 4-1, 5-1 ball game in favor of the Blue Jays. Instead, it's a 2-1 loss. Where is where, where do you what do you see Bo at? I, I, and it, it feels like cherry picking after last night with the two errors. But I was going to ask you about Bo because something just doesn't look quite the same. I don't know what it is, whether it's on the field or off, whether it's um, you know. Maybe we're overanalyzing, but he he does not like. I felt like last year he had an amazing year, and he, and it just felt like he was still scratching the surface. And this year, boy, it's it's Bowen two every at bat where he takes the heavy cuts and then has to work from that spot. Uh, I have liked the defense, but it just doesn't seem like he's off to a great start here. Prior to the two errors, and that's fair. And you're exactly right. Bo's not happy with himself at the plate. He's not being patient at the plate either. Uh, it's the mentality of shooters got to shoot. Well, Bo's got to swing, you know, and that's where he feels that he's most comfortable getting himself out of funks or working on the timing. And he is seeing the fewest pitches among the fewest pitch watchers in the game. <laughs> he's seeing like 3.2 pitches per plate appearance. I mean, that's crazy. That that's yeah, that's too really, really aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and that's a byproduct of Bo trying to swing his way out of a timing issue that he has had before. He had last year, and he still might end up hitting 300, and we wouldn't even forget about the first couple of weeks of spring training. And so much emphasis is put on the pitching, starting pitching at the beginning of this year coming out of an accelerated spring training. We forget that the bullpen guys were rushed. We forget certainly that there were 10 games – on most minor league spring training schedules that were just, or major league spring training schedules that were chopped off. And guys were trying to find these at bats. And I asked both specifically in spring training, what's the most important for you? Is it seeing live pitching, live BPs, going to a B game? And in the B games in the backfield, if you've got a major league guy, you could essentially lead off every inning if you wanted to. They make up the rules in those games. Or is it getting into the batter's box and facing the New York Yankees, Philadelphia Phillies, Baltimore Orioles, etc. And he said for him, the biggest key is the competition. He likes another guy that's not that, that he knows is out there, maybe working on some stuff, but also trying to compete and beat him. So he likes the juices flowing. He likes the balance of playing defensively and only getting one at bat and waiting on that next at bat and thinking about the prior at bat. 
he likes those competitive juices versus being on the backfield and getting six at bats in a 90 minute sample size. So Bo understands himself way more than he did a couple of years ago. And right now his feeling is I've got to swing knowing I'm going to get four or five at bats every night. I've got to swing to get myself out of this. Yeah, interesting. And it, boy, it, I, I, we talked about it last week. Vlad in the two hole was something they talked about all spring. Uh, I don't. The, the, he's not seeing a lot of pitches right now, and I understand why. He's not in. You know, in strikes. I should say, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of strikes. And why would you? Why would you throw anything over the plate? I mean, fastball, slider. It doesn't matter. He, Vladdy can hit it. Uh, they asked Vlad internally, "What do you think about the two spot?" And this was when Teoscar was part of the plan now. Now, Teoscar's not there, so how much length on the leash, how much flexibility are you going to allow the player before you hurt the lineup? Uh, Vlad feels a lot of pressure in that number two spot. He feels that <clears throat> he's rushed, he's out of sync. It's, it's not as a comfortable of a bat. He wants to watch, yes, the first two batters in front of him, but he also knows that there's going to be protection right behind him. And Lourdes, to his credit, has completely turned things around over the last three months' worth of Major League play, right? Going back to August, September last year, and now here in April. I mean, he's swinging the bat very, very well, hard contact. But it's not the same kind of protection that Teoscar Hernandez provides Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The team still believe that they can pitch outside the zone, work, risk losing the Vladdy at bat, and then deal with Guriel because he's just not as potent as either of those two guys. And Vladdy has felt the pressure in that number three spot, much like he would feel the pressure in the number two spot and expanding the zone. Severino messed him up. I asked Vlad at the cage the other day. I said, you had that great game against Garrett Cole and company, the three homer plus the double game, and he looked like the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that's going to win MVP. The next night, Luis Severino had great (laughs) stuff. I mean, great stuff. Yep, and and he... that's the golden sombrero planted right on his forehead. And I said, is, is it something that was out of sync? Something he goes, he couldn't pick up the ball. Couldn't pick up the ball out of the hand of Luis Severino. So there are some guys that are deceptive enough for other hitters where they just don't see the ball well and pick it up. Aaron Judge made the same kind of comment about facing Aaron, uh, Adam Simber. It's a very uncomfortable at bat for Judge just with how he reads the pitcher, where the ball's coming from. He's trying to figure it out on a funky arm ankle, too. Uh, so there are certain guys that get affected certain ways. And since that four-strikeout game, I mean, Flatty's just been in a little bit of a funk, and he's expanded the strike zone, and he's looked really frustrated. Uh, balls and strike calls frustrated him over the weekend at Rogers Center. And you could tell in his first at-bat last night, you know, it was just going to be a grind for Vlad because his timing was off. Uh, the the silver lining of last night's game is you say Kikuchi threw that electric fastball a ton and had great success with it. That's good to see, you know? He's got to throw that fastball. That is one of the things that I talked with a number of people in the organization about when they got him. I said he fell in love with the cutter and it hurt him in Seattle. Teams were waiting on it, leaning on it, and waiting on him for essentially to make a mistake. What the Blue Jays are doing, more importantly, with Yusei Kikuchi, is reprogramming a guy that was told to pitch a specific way, in counts, specific quadrants and target on. They love this stuff. They want him to lean on the fastball and then let the other stuff play off of it. And last night was a step in the right direction, especially the way that it started. You walk the first two guys and throw one pitch for a strike in the first nine, 
that you deal at Fenway Park. And he's been there before. He knows all about Fenway Park and the mystique and the great cathedral stuff. That's fine. But you've got to throw strikes, and he knows it. He's pitching the Blue Jays into a tougher position because Hyunjin Ryu has been so clunky, lands on the I.L. They know they're having to cover too many innings too early in the season. And Kikuchi went out there and took a challenge and got through five, which is a savior for that bullpen, knowing that they're playing 20 consecutive games and 13 of them against the same two teams. So that's why you needed an effective and something to build on. Now you don't need a seven. You didn't need a seven inning shutout sparkler from Kikuchi last night. You needed something to build on. And could you just cover five? And he was able to do that with some really nice plays behind him. Got a huge double play early in the ball game. Again, yeah, Bo had two errors, but also Bo made two nice plays. So there is more to build on with Kikuchi. And uh, TSF for tonight, you've got uh, Barrios, who's had uh, a horrible start in the season opener where everyone was amped up, probably including Barrios, and then a, a much more solid start at Yankee Stadium against uh, the Canadian Nick Pavetta. Yeah, I like this pitching matchup. I really like this pitching matchup. It's basically two guys that are worthy of leading pitching staffs, right? If you look at Nick Pavetta, and I know there's James Paxton and Chris Sale on that roster, not really factoring in right now for the Red Sox, but Nick Pavetta has been great since going to Boston. The, the Victoria, B.C. native has been outstanding in the change of scenery and something that he needed and just needed other voices around him from the Philadelphia Phillies who swapped him over to the Red Sox. And then Jose Barrios out there trying to do Jose Barrios things. He looks so much better, so much more compact and, and in rhythm. He looked like he was flying open. He looked out of sync when he was on the mound. And I credit that to being not you know, wound up too tight in the moment, just being too amped up in the moment. Uh, and he said that kind of right after the start. And he was really disappointed, and he rebounded pretty nicely. And I'm looking forward, to, as always, <laughs> watching Jose Barrios work. And tonight's no exception. Well, in, uh, enjoy the matchup. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping things turn around here because uh, the Flames are in a playoff chase and uh, Bichette's getting more errors than, than hits in a game. And I'm dealing with a lot. I'm dealing with a very antsy Pinder on a day by day basis. There's a lot going on here, Ben. I need he, another screen. My work wife yeah, is. Yeah, I know. We've got to find you screens. Uh, my work wife is very tense. He's very tense. Yeah. Ticker tape, perhaps. Yeah. The weekend's better. We'll, we'll get, get you those, your information. Those afternoon starts help. I can, I can manage that a lot better. Well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. tomorrow. We'll we do. like that we'll deal with it we do like that thank you sir good to catch up as always appreciate your time all right great to talk to you guys you bet be well ben wagner voice of the blue jays on sportsnet radio kikuchi you can throw 98 from the left side i don't really need to see a lot of other pitches (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that's kind of what they did with robbie ray right he had the highest walk rate in the majors the year before they brought the year they added him late they signed with a one-year deal after, and you could see it was like, okay, there's enough stuff to work with here, but you're throwing not your best pitch way too much. You turn him into a two-pitch <laughs> yeah, yeah. guy and use your fastball all the time, and he isn't the same as Robbie Ray, but boy, there's a lot of similarities. Lefties, great fastball. They'd made things more complicated than they needed to be. You don't need four pitches if you're Kikuchi, because to Ben's point Guys were like, well, I'm not going to swing at the fastball. I'm going to wait till he throws his other junk pitches because he throws a bunch of them more often than he should, and I can't hit the fastball. Well, they did the same with Robbie Ray, and it turned out all right. Now, it's one year, mm. but if you can get anything close to what they did with Ray, like something that looks like a three or a four at $12 million bucks for three years, that'd be something. We talked about it with Brun, I guess, earlier this week, last week about this guy. You, you sign with a new team or you get to a new team, 
and you're you've been brought in. Clearly, this team likes what I have. They like my stuff. And then after a short amount of time, hey, things are going well. Here's the thing: uh, less of what you're doing and more of what you're not doing. Uh, we're gonna. It has to probably feel for him like these guys don't, to a certain extent, these guys don't know what they're doing. I've been successful doing things my way. Now you want me to change everything, or at least uh, they're they're framing it as though we like what you're doing, but uh, how about don't do so much of this and so much of that? You gotta. It, I would think when you're at that level, you're pretty confident in your abilities and in yourself. You don't need people totally. coming in yeah. that you don't know, really, that you've just met telling you, we know how to do this better than you. Yeah, you kind of have to hit rock bottom or at least really trust the person. And it, it was rock bottom for Ray. Yeah, it was. And Kikuchi's got to be trusted. And, and I think if you're the Jays, you're selling him Ray's story. Ray was an all-star with the Diamondbacks before pitching his way into obscurity, like walking people. He still, if you look at his strikeouts per inning he's one of the, the the greatest pitchers we've had we've seen in 20 years uh in major league baseball but he just he had the highest walk rate for two three years there and it's like well great he struck out eight but you know there was five more base runners than there should have been i i pete walker's got a little magic there i think that that's not a secret him ending up in toronto is not a surprise we're on our way towards uh, hour number three of the program. Tommy Wilden Jr. will join us. We'll look at the uh, we'll take a look back a little deeper out of town scoreboard from last night. NHL tonight, a couple of interesting games to focus on. If you're uh, Flames or the Vegas Golden Knights or the Oilers or the Kings or Stars, certainly. Uh, text line is open nine sixty nine sixty. We mentioned your, about your new uh, your new shack. Did you get that mudroom in well, the we end? The mudroom's Donald. Yeah, no, because that was one. Was that one of the things? Two two twin uh, twin boys, young boys. Can they get their dirty boys are gross. They're pigs, and uh, the they're just six year old hyenas. Yeah, like they are just yeah. It's and you did not you do not have a mud room in the current place. It's so. a, a very very small space, and things just pile up. Now I always was like, well, hey, we could have less stuff. That'd make it easier. But nah, we like collecting stuff, so we'll just make a bigger place. See, that's cute that you try. Right? It was cute. Yeah. We could downsize, babe. Maybe get rid of a bunch no, of the stuff. And I've learned my lesson. I just don't try anymore. That's growth. Yeah, see? It's just natural growth. And it's like, it's a little give and take. It's like, okay, maybe I don't want to talk about macadamia nuts, but Boom's going there and I trust him. So I'm going to let him do this. Go and then he's the going to yeah. let me like rant on uh, cap percentage of max deals. That's right. See? You just, you just go with it. It's a good work wife. Because you start and you just kind of go with the flow and you follow things and then you're... Oh, does that not look gorgeous? That's exactly what we want. All those spices stick to these nuts, spicy nuts. We're going nuts here. But first, we got to get some of these nuts going here. Right there is a beautiful little seasoning spice for our nuts. Look at the team. It's going nuts back there. I love this road grill team. That's exactly where we're going to put our nuts. The nuts. <laughs> I like the nuts. Yeah. Now, Dumas, were you? Are because you, you you heard that? Was that the first time you'd kind of heard that? Oh, I know Road Grill. That colo- <laughs> the, the, he might have watched them all live, knowing <laughs> Dumas. I remember it was. I mean, it was years ago, and it was after the end of the season. It was one of the years. Obviously, Flames are in the playoffs, and I think I was doing afternoons at the time, which is a far harder job than this. I mean, we're done it in the morning, and yeah, you got to get up and stuff, but game day, at the rink, interviews, doing shows, then games, then staying, then post-game, then do it again. I was gassed at the end of a season 
and took a little time, uh, rented a place in Radium. Ooh. Very nice. Uh, and as it turned out, the weather, not nice. Mm. Springtime in Radium. It's usually the warmer point. side of the Rockies, Dean. That's yeah. too bad. No, bad it was, fortune, eh? It was Just your luck. You know, it was kind of this-ish. This-ish? Yeah, kind of overcast, cold, not as snowy, but rainy in that. And uh, that's when I discovered Matt Dunnigan and Road Grill. It was kind of a marathon on the cooking channel or something. People couldn't get enough. They needed to stack them. Couldn't get enough of... Uh, I want more Road Grill. I've watched two episodes. Give me a third and a fourth. Yeah, I was giddy. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get enough. And so that was my introduction to Matt Dunnigan hmm. doing the cooking show Road Grill, where they had... They so what would Dumas? They'd go from kind of parking lot to parking, or they go to tailgate. Tailgate, yeah, essentially, yeah. And get uh, nice, nice barbecue style food, everything you'd eat outside. Yeah, and Donegan had his rubs. You know, yeah. he'd have this is my mm. rub, the rub for this. You do tight your, t-shirts yeah, all the time. Very tight. <laughs> now, in fairness, if I had that frame, I'd I'd be wearing tight shirts too. I'd be letting it uh, letting her buck. But uh, as it yeah. turns out, this is, and I don't want to, I don't want to take this away or spoil it for you. Those weren't really Matt Donegan's personal recipes. What? No. That sucks. He was the Dean. He was the face of the show. Did you just spoiler alert all the road girls? But he actually didn't have like using the dry mustard and all this thing in his rub. No, I, I don't know. Anything. He wasn't the, the the guy behind Best of Bridge. Those no, cooking books. Apparently, they provided. Really? The, pe- the people cooking the food, they provided the recipes and all of the ingredients, mm-hmm. and he just kind of showed up and did the, talked yeah. about nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. Not to say the food wasn't good, but I just felt I felt kind of cheated. It's a little disingenuous. So when did you find out, and, and how did it uh, oh, affect your later. viewing experience? I mean, years later. Yeah, I, okay, good. I just didn't want it to ruin your experience. I can't look at uh, him or that show the same. Like that final Avengers movie, Avengers, final something or other? Can't do it. The, the, the spoiler alert was massive on that yeah. one. Uh, I like the nuts. Yeah, I, I hope don't. it wasn't the same for you, so no, I'm glad that it was afterwards you learned that. <sighs> Didn't know Dunnigan was a liar, but yet here we are. 960-960. can text into the show. We've got a, a busy hour coming up. Tommy Wielden Jr. This uh, Today's the... Uh, I want to... Uh, Today is the 20th, and today there is a media availability with Hockey Canada where it's expected that Tom Rennie will announce his retirement as the CEO of Hockey Canada. All right. And good guy Scott Smith going to be the replacement. You just the CEO of Hockey Canada? That's what you just did? Moving up to the old CEO. All right. Tom Rennie been there since 2014. You remember Bob Nicholson before he was doing Bob's Burgers and selling stuff up at the rink in Edmonton. He was uh, he was running old hockey Canada. So good guy Tom Rennie, 67 years of age. He says, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be like Dunnigan. I'm gonna put on a tight shirt and enjoy my retirement and fire in some dry mustard into my beef rubs and start grilling. Very nice. That's coming today. Congrats to Tom Rennie and congrats to Scott Smith, who, as I mentioned, is getting the uh, uh, and also other hockey news with uh, the Helenka tournament going to Red Deer, Helenka Gretzky Cup coming to Edmund or to uh, to Red Deer in July, end of July into August. World Juniors in Edmonton in August. No, no, uh, no time off. No time off in this area for uh, for hockey. That's gonna be interesting. But, uh, Will be. Yeah. 
No, it, no icy roads on the way up to watch that World Junior in no, Edmonton. No, and here's hoping you get all the games in and that it also goes better. hopeful you don't split a hotel uh, with a wedding in Red Deer that ruins the tournament. Yeah, don't get me going on Red Deer. I love Red Deer. I'm, I'll defend Red Deer well, until they, the end. First, the they lose the Black Knight. Now this. Damn it! Steak eh, the steak sandwich. Steak sandwich. We'll come back. Tommy Wielden Jr., manager of Cavalry FC. We'll look at the uh, scores from last night in the NHL. Some notable things last night. Mm. Um, history was made at the Bridgestone Arena last night. Really? Yep. History wow. was made. We'll tell you about it. Sportsnet 960, the fan.